This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Today, he's Kellogg Pep, the super cereal. Super, as in Superman. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Kellogg's Pep, the super cereal presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman is quite unaware that in the gray mists of early dawn, a launch carrying Joe Solitaire, the punchboard racketeer, and muscles his burly, broken-nosed henchman, sets out from Solitaire's gambling ship, bound for Metropolis, and an evil errand. You oughtn't to take this chance leaving a ship, boss. You know the cops in Metropolis are rich in the Navy. I've got to take the chance, muscles. Perry White's bill to make our punchboards illegal comes up before the state legislature tomorrow. If it passes, we're out of business. I know. So what are you going to do? I'm going to see that the bill is killed. Anyone who stands in my way is going to get the same kind of treatment. Say, everybody loves to collect things. And the tops in collecting fun is getting all 18 pep photos in that new series of standout radio and sports stars. Yes, those candid camera-sized actual photos you get as an exclusive pep prize. One in every package of Kellogg's Pep, the super serial. Correct. Every photos of a famous radio star like Judy Canova or a standout sports figure like Dick Wickfield of the Detroit Tigers. And James Ferrier, the Australian golf champion. Yes, sir. A whole series of 18 photos to add to your collection. What's more, you can keep them safe and sound in a pep photo album, too. For instructions how to get this album, just look on the side of your pep package. What's more, for tops in breakfast eating, look inside your package of pep. Those golden flakes of good whole wheat. Yes, one look and you'll eat a man-sized bowlful. That's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Kellogg's Pep, the super cereal. Super, as in Superman. And now, the adventures of Superman. Hoping to discredit Lois Lane and break up her campaign to enlist the mothers of Metropolis behind Perry White's anti-punchboard bill... Joe Solitaire was balked by Superman. Now desperate, as he sees his lucrative punchboard racket endangered, Solitaire has arrived at the Metropolis office of Gabby Crawford, his lawyer. 
a bald, wrinkled, bony old man in a brightly hued checked suit and highly polished yellow shoes, whose eyes are as sharp and predatory as those of a lynx. Your help to kill White's anti-punch board, Bill Gabby. I don't know what I can do, Joe. I'm afraid it will pass whether you like it or not. Stop saying that, you cackling old fool. I'm telling you it can't pass. So unscramble your brains. Put them to work. Now, look here, what Joe. What do you think I'm paying you for, you old bag of bones? To sing the blues? Careful how you talk to me, Joe. Now listen to no, me. No, you listen to me, punk. Punk? Yes. Me? You may be a big shot to your ma, but you're only a punk to me. I've got enough on you to send you up for life, and don't you ever forget it. Feeling your oats, Gabby. I know what you're thinking. How I look in an alley pumped full of lead. Am I? Well, if you are, I warn you, don't ever try it, Joe. If you do, there'll be certain files delivered to the DA's office by somebody you don't know. Besides, you need me, Joe. You're in a bad spot. And unless you do as I say, you're going to be in a lot worse one. What do you have in mind? That yacht of yours, Lady Luck. She can sail, can't she? Of course she can sail. Why? Go back to her and sail, Joe. Take a nice long trip. They tell me it's nice down around Rio this time of year. Wait a minute. Are you telling me to scram? That's right. You must be crazy. You think I'm going to sit back and lose my racket? A racket that pays me millions? It'll be all over after tomorrow, Joe. Believe me. So take my advice and blow. <laughs> You're getting old, Gabby. You've lost your guts. Maybe. I'm sure there's some way to stop White's bill from being passed. You're going to help me find it. I tell you, there is no way. Not now. There must be. I've got dough. Money talks. You mean you think you can bribe some of the boys in the legislature to vote against the bill? I know. Forget it, Joe. Since Perry White and his reform crowd got in Metropolis, the old Mike Hickey gang, those that are left in the legislature, are watching their P's and Q's. Besides, they're not in power in the capital now, anyhow. Who is the big guy in the capital? And so far as your bill is concerned, the big guy is Tom McVeigh, the leader of the majority party. Hmm. Tom McVeigh. That's right. Oh, but take my advice and stay away from him, Joe. He's straight as a string. You can't buy him. I believe every man has his price, Gabby. And I can pay a big price. Listen to me, Joe. You're asking for trouble. You're licked in this That's state, what so... you think, Gabby. You told me what I want to know, so I'll be on my way. So long. <laughs> Clark Kent speaking. Hello, Kent. This is Perry White. Oh, hello, Chief. How are things going in the Capitol? Fine, Kent, fine. I just had a talk with Tom McVeigh. He's the majority leader of the state legislature, you know. Yeah, sure, I met him. A grand fellow. What's he say? He says my bill is practically certain to pass tomorrow. Well, that's wonderful, Chief. <laughs> you see, I told you we'd put Joe Solitaire out of business. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, Kent. Yes? I'm seeing McVeigh again tonight at his home. We're going over the final draft of the bill, so oh. you better stand by for a call in case there are any changes. All right. I want a complete story in the planet tomorrow as soon as the bill is passed. Big splash all over page one. Okay, Chief. I'll be right here in the office waiting for your call. Good, good. You'll hear from me. Good night, Kent. Good night, Chief, and congratulations. Hello, Mr. McVean. Who are you? Joe Salatier. You've heard of me. Oh, Solitaire, the punchboard racketeer? I'm a businessman, Mr. McVeigh. Punchboards are my business. I see. How did you get into my office? 
My secretary had orders that I wasn't to be disturbed. Besides... Your secretary listened to reason the way I'm sure you will. What? Take it easy, Mr. McVeigh. After all, I came all the way from Metropolis to see you and to discuss a little business we can do together. Why, if you think I do business with you, you're out of your mind. Now, get out or I'll call a state trooper. That might be a good idea. You'll want protection when you take $100,000 to the bank. What's that? I have here $100,000, which is all for you. If if you kill Perry White's bill to outlaw punch boards in this state. Why, why you... Not enough? You... Okay. Make it 200000 Get out. Listen. Get out, I said. Get out, you rotten crook. I might go another 50 G's. It's a quarter of a million bucks, McVeigh. A lot of money. There isn't enough money in the world to make me listen to you. How dare you try to bribe me, a representative of the people, to help you continue a filthy racket that preys upon children. Now, look here, Mr. McVeigh. Why, when I tell this story in the legislature tomorrow, Perry White's bill will be passed unanimously. I wouldn't do that if I were you, Mr. McVeigh. Wouldn't be healthy. Are you threatening me now? Well, let's just say you'd better take my money and kill White's bill, or... You'll be awfully sorry. Get out of here. I'm warning you, McVeigh. Be smart. This button will summon a state trooper. Unless you get out at once. All right. I'm going. You'll be sorry. Very sorry. So long, sucker. Smiling mirthlessly, his watery, grape-like eyes burning with venom, Joe Solitaire leaves Majority Leader McVeigh's office and walks quickly through. Capitol building to a car which waits motor running at the curb. What will happen? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In his hotel room in the state capitol, Editor Perry White, mayor of Metropolis, has his hat and coat on and is about to leave the room when the phone rings. Hello? Mr. White? Uh, yes. This is Tom McVeigh. Oh, yes, Mr. McVeigh. I was just leaving to come over to your house. But we had an appointment to go over the final draft of my bill, I and know, I... I know, I know, but something important has come up. I, I won't have time to see you. I see. Well, uh, can we get together first thing in the morning? No, I'll be tied up. Uh, how about lunch? I'm afraid not. Good night. Now, wait a minute, Mr. McBain. Uh, you said yourself it was important that we got together on the final draft of this bill before it comes up in the legislature tomorrow afternoon. The so... bill won't come up tomorrow, Mr. White. What? I said the bill won't come up tomorrow. Now, look, McVeigh, I don't get it. What is this, anyway? I'm sorry, Mr. White. I... Well, I can't explain. But it's become necessary to table your bill. Good night. Completely flabbergasted, Harry White stands staring at the silent telephone in his hand, unable to understand what has occurred. State Representative Tom McVeigh, enthusiastic champion of the bill to outlaw punch boards in the state has suddenly and without explanation announced that the bill would not even come up for debate. Why? What has happened to make McMain, a staunch and respected leader of his party, suddenly withdraw his promise to Perry White and to the people of Metropolis? Is Joe Solitaire somehow responsible for this? There's mystery and excitement in tomorrow's thrilling episode, fellows and girls, when Superman is called to the Capitol to cope with a baffling and startling development. So be sure to listen. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 17 of Pennies for Plunder on The Adventures of Superman. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, The Adventures.
Cures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought Monday through Friday at this same time by Kellogg's Pep, the Super Serial. Something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Today, he Kellogg's Pep, the Super Serial. Super, as in Superman. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Serial. Kellogg's Pep, the Super Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, in a hideout in the state capitol, Joe Solitaire, king of the punchboard racket, makes an amazing statement to Muscles, his burly henchman. I've news for you, Muscles. Yeah, boss. What is it? I've got Superman right where I want him. Superman? Yes. <laughs> he doesn't know it, but now I can make him go exactly where I want and do what I want. <laughs> and with that setup, we can't lose, boy. We just can't lose. You know, some people collect expensive things like precious jewels. But now you can collect red-hot items that Kellogg's Pep gives you as a prize. Right. Now you can get actual glossy photos of 18 top-notch radio and sports stars. A brand-new series of slick, candid camera-sized photos to add to your collection. One photo is yours inside every package of Pep. The Super Serial. Think of it. Photos of radio stars like Alice Faye, golf champions like Lloyd Mangrum, and football stars like Norman Stanley of the San Francisco 49ers. Correct. You can help complete your collection of 18 stars by swapping any duplicates you get. And to swap the exciting way, play the game of photo swap. Later in the program, we'll show you how to play this swell game. Remember, get your prize photo from each package of Pep, those catchy flakes of whole wheat. Yes, every crunchy spoon of Pep is a brand new reason to polish your bowl clean. That's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Kellogg's Pep, the super cereal. Super as in Superman. (laughs) 
And now, the adventures of Superman. Despite two attacks on his life by Joe Solitaire, the punchboard racketeer, Editor Perry White, new elected mayor of Metropolis, went ahead with his campaign to have punchboards outlawed in the state. While Clark Kent and Lois Lane backed him up in the Daily Planet, White had an anti-punchboard bill introduced in the state legislature. He seemed assured of success when suddenly he received a stunning surprise. At once, White summoned Clark Kent, who, unknown to him and all others, is Superman, to rush to the state capitol. And as we continue now in his hotel room, the gray-haired mayor is telling Kent what happened. My anti-punchboard bill was to come up before the state legislature tomorrow, Kent. And Tom McBain, the majority leader, virtually assured me it would be passed. Yes, I know that, Chief, but what well, made the changes... McBain called me up a couple of hours ago and told me my bill was being tabled. Tabled? Yes, tabled. Put on the shelf. Thrown out the window. I don't understand. Why? Well, that's what I want to know. Well, didn't he give you a reason? No, none. No reason at all. He said something had come up, something he couldn't explain, and he was asking the committee to table my bill. Hmm, that's mighty strange, Chief. Have you tried to see him? Oh, sure, sure. I've called his house a dozen times, but he won't come to the phone. Well, I don't get it. Tom McVeigh has a fine reputation. He's even being talked up as our next governor. So... Our next governor? Why, he'll be lucky if he can keep his seat in the state legislature when I get through with him. Oh, now, Chief. I'll rake him over the coals in the Daily Planet. I'll demand an investigation no, by the legislature. No, 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 no. Wait, Chief, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Take it easy. After all, McVeigh may not have been able to help himself in this matter. There may be another answer. Yeah, like what? I don't know. I, I've got a hunch, but I'm not sure. Let's see if we can't find out. Come on, Chief. We're going to see Tom McVeigh whether he wants to see us or not. <laughs> That's no use ringing anymore, Kent. McBain won't open the door. You're wrong, Chief. He's coming to the door now. <laughs> well, how do you know? You hear that? Good evening, Mr. McBain. Who are you? What do you want? I'm Clark Kent. Now, look here, McBain. Oh, it's you, White. Do you always answer your door with a gun in your hand? I'm... I'm sorry. I thought it was... You thought it was home? Uh, Joe I... Solitaire, perhaps? Yeah. No. No, what made you say that? Then you were expecting Solitaire, eh? No, I... Uh... I thought so. Solitaire. So, that's why you tabled my anti-punchboard bill. You're playing ball with him. No. You don't understand why. No, I understand all right. You and Solitaire... Wait a minute, hold it, hold it. May we come in, Mr. McVeigh? I think we ought to talk this over. Well, all right, come in. All right, McVeigh. Let's have the whole story. Very well, Mr. White. Late this afternoon, Joe Solitaire came to my office... He tried to bribe me to kill the anti-punchboard bill. He did? Why, that's Wait a minute, Chief. Go on, Mr. McVeigh. I told him what I thought of him and ordered him out of my office. As he left, he said, I'd be very sorry. Yeah, it was just a bluff. Well, that's what I thought. But this evening, when my wife and daughter and I were at dinner downstairs, a rock crashed through the window and landed right in the middle of the table. A, a rock? rock? Yes. An envelope was tied around the rock, and in the envelope... Here, wait, I'll show it to you. Here. See for yourself. These were in the envelope. Bullets! Three bullets! And this note was in the envelope, too. Read it, Kent. Let's see. This is your last warning. If White's bill passes tomorrow, three more bullets will be delivered from a gun. One for you, one for your wife, one for your daughter. Joe Solitaire sent that note? That's right. And he means business, too. So you can see now why I have to table your bill, White. Well... I'm not afraid for myself, believe me, but... I can't sacrifice the lives of my wife and daughter. 
You understand, don't you? Yes, of course, Mr. McVeigh. Oh, nonsense, nonsense. Gangsters can't run our government. We'll call in the state police. They'll assign bodyguards for you and for Mrs. McVeigh and your daughter. Oh, I've thought of that, White, but the police can't be everywhere. Shot from a window or a roof or from a passing car. Or... Well, it's the lives of my wife and my only daughter, gentlemen. I can't jeopardize them. He's right, Chief. No, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. There must be some way to protect them. There is a way. A sure way. What's that, Captain? Get Superman to take on the job. Superman? You gone, Daffy? Not at all, Chief. Democracy and a fair deal for youngsters are at stake here. Two things in which Superman is very much interested. Sure, but how are you going to get hold of him? Just pick up the phone and ring him up on a, on a cloud or something? Oh, Superman uh, once told me, you might say, how I might be able to contact him in an emergency. Are you serious, Kent? Entirely. Oh, McBain, don't listen to him. Kent means well, but he often gets cockeyed notions. Oh, you think so? Well, let's give it a try. You two wait right here. I'll be back soon. Uh, wait, where are you going? That's my secret. And Superman's. See you later. Well, of all the crazy, loony ideas... Kent was joking, wasn't he, White? Well, I... I hope he'd have better taste than to joke at a time like this. But, oh, well, let's forget about him. There must be some way out of this mess. Who's that? It may be Joe Solitaire. Wait, I've got a gun in my pocket. Nonsense. Solitaire wouldn't dare. All right, I'm ready. Come in. Good evening, gentlemen. Superman. Good heavens, it is Superman. Clark Kent told me about your trouble, Mr. McVeigh, and I Great Caesar. How did Kent ever get hold of you? Well, perhaps someday he can explain, Mr. White. But right now, let's get down to business. I know all about the situation, Mr. McVeigh, and I have a proposition to make you. What's that, sir? You go into the state legislature tomorrow and bring up Mr. White's anti-punchboard bill as per schedule. But my wife, my daughter... You do as I suggest, and I'll personally guarantee that nothing happens to your wife and daughter. Is it a deal? Well, of course, of course it's a deal. Uh, right, McVeigh? Why, I, I guess... If Superman gives me his word to watch over my wife and daughter and protect them... I give you my word, Mr. McVeigh. Well, then, I'll do it. Fine. Ah, that's the stuff. Now, Joe Solitaire, you're finished. For good. Jubilantly, Perry White anticipates a final victory over Joe Solitaire. But unknown to White and to Superman, the Punchboard King is preparing a startling surprise for them... Now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the shabby rooming house in the state capitol, Joe Solitaire and Muscles, his burly, broken-nosed henchman, are in a shade-drawn room. On a rickety table is a small, portable phonograph. And on the revolving turntable, a roll of film-like recording tape is playing toward its conclusion. Listen, Muscles. If Superman gives me his word to watch over my wife and daughter and protect him... I give you my word, Mr. McBain. Well, then, I'll do it. Fine. Ha-ha, <laughs> that's the stuff. Now, Joe Solitaire, you're finished for good. Gee, that's all. Shut up, phonograph muscles. Okay, boy. It's a good thing we decided to plant a listening device in Mr. McBain's study this afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey, creepers, boss, we better scram out of here fast. Donna McBain and White have Superman on their side. <laughs> oh, no, muscles. Superman doesn't know it, but he's on our side. On our side? Are you nuts, boss? Indeed not. We know Superman is going to be guarding McVeigh's wife and daughter, right? Yeah. And we also know that Clark Kent can contact Superman, right? Yeah, so what? So that makes it very simple. Now we know how to get Superman away and how to send him wherever we want to. I still don't get it. Never mind, Muscles. 
I tell you, Perry White's anti-punch board bill won't come up tomorrow. You take my word for it. <laughs> Puzzled, the burly muscles stares at the cunning racketeer chieftain, unable to understand what he means. Do you know what Joe Solitaire has in mind, fellows and girls? Can you guess? Well, you'll find out in Monday's exciting episode. And so will Superman. So be sure to listen. Tune in same time, same station for another thrilling chapter of Pennies for Plunder on The Adventures of Superman. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the Super Stereo. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Today, the Kellogg's Pep, the Super Serial. Super, as in Superman. Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Serial. Kellogg's Pep, the Super Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, in a shabby rooming house in the state capitol, with muscles his burly henchman, Joe Solitaire, the punchboard racketeer, chuckles softly as he fits a pair of dark glasses over his eyes. <laughs> Mr. McVeigh thinks he's nothing to worry about with Superman guarding his wife and daughter. <laughs> Isn't that funny, Muscles? Why is it, boss? I don't get it. Didn't I tell you I can make Superman go wherever I want him to? Yeah, you said so, but I don't see how. You'll see, Muscles. You'll see. With Superman out of the way, Mr. McVeigh will find out he really doesn't want the legislature to pass Perry White's anti-punch board bill. <laughs> no, indeed. Come along, Muscles. We have work to do. You know, some people collect big things, like old-time autos. But you'll have a lot more fun collecting things you can carry in your pockets. Sure, like that new pep series of 18 photos. Yes, you get a photo of a famous radio or sports star as a prize. One inside every package of Kellogg's Pep. The Super Serial. Right. A whole new photo series to collect. Actual candid camera-sized photos of 18 top-notch stars, like Tom Brenneman, the radio headliner, and sports stars like Paul Dizzy Trout, great pitcher of the Detroit Tigers. Now, of course, you want to collect all 18 photos in the series. So, learn the exciting way to swap your duplicate photos. Play Photoswap. Later in the program, we'll show you how to play this thrilling swap game. Don't forget, keep collecting your photo from every package of Pep. Those catchy flakes of whole wheat. Yes, eat them by the bowlful, but eat them slow so you get every bit of that delicious pep flavor. That's Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Kellogg's Pep, the super cereal. Super as in Superman. And now, the adventures of 
Superman. Resolved to stamp out a punchboard record which victimized school children, Editor Perry White, mayor of Metropolis, went to the state capitol with a bill which would make punchboards illegal. Tom McBain, the leader of the majority party in the legislature, promised White his support and confidently predicted that the bill would pass. But on the night before the bill was to come up, McBain received from Joe Solitaire, head of the punchboard racket, a threat that he, his wife, and his only daughter would die if the anti-punchboard bill even came up for debate. Clark Kent, in his true identity of Superman, promised to protect McVeigh's wife and daughter if the legislator would proceed with the passage of White's bill. McVeigh agreed, but unknown to him and to Superman, a secret listening device installed by Joe Solitaire recorded their conversation and their plans. And when the racketeer heard what had transpired, he laid his own plan to outwit Superman. The next morning, by arrangement, Superman met White and Tom McVeigh in front of the latter's house. I'll see that nothing happens to your wife and daughter, Mr. McVeigh. You bring up Mr. White's bill to outlaw punch boards in the legislature. And see it through. I will. I'll do my best to see that it's passed. Fine. I'll be leaving it then. Good luck, Mr. McVeigh. Wait, Superman. Where are you going? What about... Don't worry. Just going up where I can keep a better lookout. Oh, I see. Up and away! Good heavens, look at him go. Boy, he's like a comet. Yes, and just as fast. And as amazing. Yes, sir, you've nothing to worry about now, Mr. McVeigh, with Superman on the job. Well, that is a relief. Well, I've got to get down to my office and put in a few licks in your bill before I bring it up before the assembly. Uh, can I drop you any place, Mr. White? Well, you could drop me at my hotel, and Kent, too, if he'd only show up. Oh, yes, where is Kent? Oh, he stopped off at the drugstore on the corner. Said he had to make a phone call. I can't understand what's keeping him... Oh, oh here he comes now. Ah, it's about time you showed up, Kent. I'm sorry, Chief. Good morning, Mr. McVeigh. Good morning, Kent. Hey, you should have been here a minute earlier. You would have seen Superman flying. Really? Well, that must have been something. It was amazing. Kent seen him. I certainly have. Well, come on. Let's get going. McVeigh's going to drop us off at our hotel, Kent. We'll have time to eat and call Metropolis before we go over to the assembly. Oh, well, uh, you, you, you go ahead, Chief. I'll stick around here for a while. What for? Oh, I, I may be able to help Superman. You help Superman? Oh, are you kidding? I know it sounds silly, but it's I'm... ridiculous. Well, just the same, I want to stick around. You go on ahead, Chief, please. I'll see you later. Well, I've got to get to my office, Mr. White, if you're coming with okay, me. Okay, okay, let's go. Imagine. Can't think Superman needs him. I never heard anything so If you only knew the truth, Mr. White. Meanwhile, on the crest of a steep hill, several blocks away, Joe Solitaire sits in a car with muscles and Nick, a wiry, hard-faced man. With the aid of powerful binoculars, Punchboard King has been observing the scene in front of Tom McVeigh's house. McVeigh is backing his car out of the garage. It's Harry White's wheeling. Better start the motor muscles. Okay, boys. Why is Kent going into McVeigh's house? Well, no matter. Get going, muscles. Where to? Straight ahead to the boulevard. McVeigh's headed that way. Okay. How about Superman, Mr. Salatay? I don't want no trouble with him. <laughs> don't worry, Nick. I'll take care of Superman. Oh, just tell me how. That's what I want to know. I said I'd take care of him. Now, shut up, you stupid ape. Shut up, both of you. Do as you're told. Okay, Mr. Salatay. Stop the car. We'll wait here for McVean. Okay, boss. He'll be long in a minute, so keep your eyes peeled. Drive the maroon sedan. Here comes the maroon sedan, boss. Yes. It's McVeigh and White. We'll wait till they pass and swing to the boulevard and tail them. 
Okay, now. Want to stay close behind him, boss? No, drop back a little. Now, that's it. Now, stay in that tail. Don't lose him. Leave it to me, boss. Vane's slowing down, Muscles. He's stopping in front of White's hotel. Pull over to the curb. Okay. Now, if only... Yes, White's getting out of the car. He's going into the hotel, alone. Good, good. <laughs> but Vane's pulling away. Okay, boys, you know what to do now, don't you? We know, sure, boys. we know. Okay, then, get going. Telegram, Mr. White. All right, just a minute. Get ready, Nick. Sit, Muscles. All right, boy, let me have the telegram. Move in, Nick. Muscle. Yeah, exactly. Here, right. Close the door, Nick, fast. Okay. Here. What are you doing here, you? We come for tea. How many lumps do you take? Followed by Nick, the burly Muscles hurls himself upon the astonished Perry White. What happens now? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. At the rear of a busy drugstore only a short distance from the home of Tom McVane, Joe Solitaire, wearing dark glasses, makes believe he is looking up a number in the phone book. Muscles McGraw enters the store, makes his way swiftly to the racketeer's side. Everything check, boss. Did you get Perry White? And how? Where's Nick? Outside in the car. Okay. Stand guard here at the door of the booth. I want to make a phone call. Who are you calling? Calling Clark Kent at McVeigh's house. Why? Because he'll contact Superman, stupid. Oh. Hey, wait, boss. Huh? I just remembered. Kent's seen you with the DA's office. He might recognize your voice. Don't worry. I can disguise my voice. Creepers, if it catches on, he'll... Quiet. Is Mr. Kent there, please? Yeah, this is Kent. Oh, Mr. Kent, this is the clerk at the Brownlee Arms. I'm afraid I have bad news for you. Bad news? Something just happened to your editor, Perry White. Perry White? We just found him in his room in a very critical condition. Great Scott. And our house detective caught a man trying to escape from the room. Mr. White identified him as somebody named Joe Solitaire. Joe Solitaire? You mean... The house physician says Mr. White should be taken to a hospital at once. But we haven't been able to get an ambulance. He asked me to call you. I'll be there at once. Bye. <laughs> oh, what a knack, boss. <laughs> I'd have never recognized your voice. Did it work? Ken said he'd go to the hotel at once. I'm sure you'll contact Superman and have him go there, too, to help his friend, Mr. White. But Superman's guarding McVeigh's wife and daughter, ain't he? Sure, he's guarding them against me. But I just told Kent I was captured at the hotel. So Superman won't be afraid to leave. Oh, boy, what a brain you got, boy. You've got to move fast, Muscles. Take Nick and hop over to the McVeigh house. It's only a few blocks away. And then, <laughs> when you're through, I'm quite sure Mr. McVeigh will throw the white anti-punch board bill right out the window. And how he will. Okay, get going fast before Superman gets back. I'm on my way, boy. See you soon. <laughs> Hurrying from the drugstore, Muscles leaps into the car beside Nick, and a moment later is racing toward Majority Leader Tom McVeigh's house, only a few blocks away. 
Has Superman been tricked into leaving McMain's house unguarded against the murderous venom of Joe Solitaire, whose vicious cruelty has already been tasted by Perry White? Fellows and girls, there are thrills and surprises in tomorrow's action-packed episode. So be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 19 of Penny for Plunder on The Adventures of Superman. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the super cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman is unaware that as cub reporter Jimmy Olsen opens a wooden box which has just been delivered to him, he and Beanie Martin, the Daily Planet copy boy, are about to receive the shock of their lives. Now, Olsen, the cover. Come loose, Beanie. Oh, have it off in a minute. Now, let me give you a hand, Cap. Thanks. Here it comes. There, that does it. Now, let's see what's inside. Holy mackerel, Jim. Weeping lizards. It, it's a tiny man. Fellows and girls, for the first time in a long time, I find myself at a loss for words. Yes, that's literally true, believe it or not. Honestly, I I don't know how to begin to tell you exactly what's going on in the offices of the Superman Hidden Word Contest. Except that, well, the judges feel somewhat like the city of New York after the big snowstorm here a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're literally snowed under by your wonderful response to the contest. And it's going to take some doing to dig their way out of the avalanche of letters and postcards that are, by the way, still pouring in. But they're hard at it, going as fast as they can without overlooking the fact that each... Entry must be carefully read and, of course, judged fairly, with each one getting an equal amount of attention. Of course, that's going to hold up the announcement of the winner somewhat, but we know you'll understand and be patient. And just keep your fingers crossed until the big day arrives. Meanwhile, just to play safe, do your best not to miss even one single Superman program. Not only because each episode in The Adventures of Superman is full of thrills and excitement, but so that you don't miss the thrill of hearing your name announced as one of the 1,000 lucky winners. Now, there's something else I want to tell you, but... We'll hold that until later, so be sure to keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. On the morning following his rescue from the sea by Superman, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen was writing the story about the operations of the gang of black marketeers when a wooden box about four feet long, two feet wide, and a foot had perforated with small holes was delivered to him at the Daily Planet. 
Jimmy and Feeny Martin, the planet's copyboy, opened the box, which had been placed on the desk in Clark Kent's office, and then gasped in surprise. For lying in the box, snoring gently in sleep, was a tiny man. As they gazed in speechless amazement, they saw a miniature man, scarcely three feet tall, clothed in a bright green frock coat, striped trousers, and patent leather shoes. His hair soft and yellow as a baby's, and his nose with a slight sidewise tilt, set over a firm mouth and a square, stubborn chin. As Jimmy and Beanie stared, the midget yawned, rubbed his eyes with miniature fists, then suddenly opened bright blue eyes. And seeing Jimmy and Beanie, he leaped to his feet in alarm. Good heavens, where am I? Oh, you. oh, my God. Why, why, this is the Metropolis Daily Planet. The, what? The Daily Planet, a newspaper. I'm Jim Olson. My name is Jim Olson. Did you say you're Jim Olson? That's right. Oh, but who? thank Mickery, thank Venus, thank Mars, thank everybody. Listen, what are you? Oh, I was never so relieved in all the born days. You know, for a moment, I thought the boot might have caught me. The what? Oh, the boot. Oh, a terrible man, a most horrible man. But perhaps I'll give him the slip this time. Oh, I do hope so. Oh, I said, Jim, old chap, help me out of this box, won't you? Oh, sure. There you are. Don't step on Mr. Kent's papers. Mr. Kent? Who's Mr. Kent? Uh, this is his office. He's a reporter on this paper. Oh. Bean, jelly beans, I'm stiff. It was quite uncomfortable in that box, you know. Yeah, I'll bet. Now, look, uh, Mr... Uh, Frederick is the name. Uh, Frederick the Great. Uh, what? Uh, but you might call me Freddy if you like. Oh, uh, Thanks. Will you please tell me how and why you came here in a box addressed to me? Of course, boy, of course. You see, your cousin and your aunt said that you could be trusted. Also, as a reporter in a large newspaper, you might be able to help me. You say my cousin and my aunt sent you to me? Correct. Your cousin Ginger and your aunt Louise. Charming creatures, both of them. Charming. Hi, are they the ones who want to travel in a circus, Jim? Yes, Beanie. Look, uh, Freddy, I don't get this. Well, why I'm did... perfectly willing to explain everything, Jim, but uh, only to you. Huh? Uh, would you mind taking a stroll, old chap? Oh, gee, what? Go walk your poodle. Uh, that's a good fellow. Go on, Benny, beat it. Gosh, gee, what? Tell him to keep me under his hat, Jim, no matter what. Under his hat? You know, tell him to forget he ever saw me. Oh, uh, Beanie. Yeah? Don't tell anybody about Freddy. Not anybody. Okay. Hello, Beanie. Looking for me? Why, no, Mr. Kent, I... Oh, jump, Benny, jump, Beanie. I'll clear the decks out of my... Relax, Freddy. It's only Mr. Kent. Get out of the way. Out of the way, Beanie. What's going on here, Jim? Oh, uh, uh, well, you see, uh... What's the matter with you? And what's that wooden box on my... Great Scott, there's a little man in it. That's right. Uh, oh, Mr. Ken won't hurt you, Freddy. He's my best friend. He's your best friend? Sure, and if you need help, like you say, he'll be glad to help you, won't you, Mr. Ken? Oh, of course oh, I will, good, but good. who in the world... My professional name, sir, is Frederick the Great. You uh, must have heard of me. Well, I... You see, before I, the war, uh, when I traveled all over the world with the All England and British Commonwealth Circus, I was with this Frederick the Great, the smallest man in the world. And if I say so myself, I was a great attraction. I'm sure you were, but how did you come here? The express company delivered him in this box, Mr. Ken. What? You know, my cousin Ginger and Aunt Louise, you know, they own a little circus. They sent him to me. Sent him to you? Exactly. Uh-huh. Freddie's in some kind of trouble. He said somebody's after him. And... Oh, yes. It's a problem of world-shattering importance, Mr. Ken. World-shattering. Uh, tell me, have you ever heard of Robert Archer? Robert Archer? No, I don't think so. Well, neither have I. Oh, dear, that's bad. But I must find him, and at once. I must. Why? Who is this Robert Archer, Freddy? He was once my late master's assistant. That's all I know. But I must find him before the 1st of February. If I don't, something terrible will happen to the whole world. Oh, no. What, what? do you mean, Freddy? Oh, it's true. My late master told me so. He said I must find Robert Archer before the 1st of February so that Mr. Archer could stop, uh, stop, well, whatever it is that is going to happen. 
Now, there isn't much time. Oh, dear, what do I do? Oh, what boy. Well, who is this master you're talking about, Freddy? Well, uh, the late Sir Hubert Clay. You mean the great mathematician and physicist who died about a year ago? Precisely. Except that he didn't just die. He was murdered. Murdered? The boot did it while trying to get Sir Hubert to tell him the secret. Well, who is the boot? And what's the secret? Oh, the boot is a terrible man, a horrible man, who's been chasing me all over the world because now that he's killed my master, he wants to get the secret from me, you see. You mean you know what the secret is? Yes. Uh, 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 no. Uh, oh, I don't know. Huh? I well, know. Wait, what? Jim, wait. You say you don't know what the secret is, but it affects the future of the world? Yes, indeed, of the entire world. That's what Sir Hubert said. And he told me something terrible, something utterly, utterly terrible would happen unless I found Robert Archer before February 1st. But does that mean Robert Archer knows the secret, too? Not at all. But he'll know what to do to prevent this terrible thing from happening. He does know. When he knows what? The secret, of course. How is he going to find out if Sir Hubert is dead? He'll find out from me. Now, wait a minute. You said you didn't know it. Well, no. Uh, or do I? Oh, I don't think I do. As a matter of fact, I'm quite sure I do. Oh, boy. You mean, Freddy, that Sir Hubert Clay gave you some some memorandum or, or a letter or something for Robert Archer? Oh, just a message. He made me memorize it. Did you want to hear it? Yes, I'd like to. All right, uh, here it is. Uh, X is to Freddy as Y is to Sally. The equation equals the first day of February. In the name of heaven, act quickly. What kind of double talk is that? What does it mean? I don't know, but... X is to Freddy as Y is to Sally... Who or what is Sari? Do you know that? No, but Robert Archer will. Sir Hubert said so, and with his last breath, begged me to find him. Did Sir Hubert say where Mr. Archer is? Oh, he didn't know. But about two months ago, in Budapest, I discovered that Robert Archer was here, in the States. Well, the United States is pretty large. Did you find out what part of the country he's in? No, all I could learn is that he's here. Well, that's pretty slim. Look, if you ask me, it's all a lot of malarkey. There probably isn't any Robert Archer at all. Oh, but, but I tell You're you that... Wrong, Jim. There is a Robert Archer, all right. Huh? What's that, Beanie? Well, I... I was listening outside the door, Mr. Kent, and I heard Well, that's you. a fine thing to wait do. Wait a minute, Jim, wait. You said something about Robert Archer, Beanie. What do you know about him? Well, I know there is a Robert Archer, like Freddie says. And I can tell you something about him, too. Amazed, Clark Kent Jimmy Olsen at Frederick the Tiny Man stare at Beanie Martin. How and what does the Daily Planet copyboy know about the mysterious Robert Archer? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In Clark Kent's office, Beanie Martin, head copyboy of the Daily Planet, has just told Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and Frederick the Midget that he knows about the mysterious Robert Archer, who, according to the little man, holds the key to a disaster scheduled to happen on February 1st. Amazed, Kent questions the boy. What do you know about Robert Archer, Beanie? Oh, good heavens, boy. What could you know about him? Well, I know... I know that... Okay, first look, Mr. Kent. Look at this news flash. It just came in. What news flash? Wait a minute, Jim. I don't tell you about him. What does it say, Mr. Kent? Yes, yes. Do read it aloud. It's dated Parkersville, and it says... Robert Archer, associate professor of mathematics at Parkersville University, one-time assistant to the late Sir Hubert Clay, famous British mathematician and physicist... That's him, that's the man. ...disappeared from his home last night under mysterious circumstances. Disappeared? Robert Archer disappeared? That's right, Freddy. He disappeared before you could find him. What does this mean? Yes, Clark Kent, what does this mean? An associate professor in a small university whom a tiny man was delegated by a late great scientist to find has disappeared just before Superman was asked to help find him. 
a mysterious cryptic message, a menacing man known only as the boot, a warning by the great scientist that the fate of the entire world depended on the midgets finding Robert Archer before February 1st. What is it all about? There's mystery and excitement ahead for you, fellows and girls, in our new story entitled Dead Man's Secret. So be sure to listen tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, a tiny midget who calls himself Frederick the Great presents a tremendous problem to Clark Kent, who... Unknown to all is Superman. If you say Robert Archer has disappeared, Mr. Kent. That's what this newsflash says, Freddy. But, but good heavens, if I don't find Robert Archer before February 1st, something terrible will happen to the whole world. What will I do, Mr. Kent? What will I do? This afternoon, I sat perfectly still for, well, at least a full half hour. Trying to think of what I can tell you that I haven't already said about the Superman Hidden Word Contest. I'm just so completely overwhelmed by the ceiling-high stacks of jam-packed mail sacks, each of them crammed full of your contest entries, that every time I begin to think of something to say, I'm left speechless. And that's no way for an announcer to be, not at all. 
But seriously, all of us connected with the Superman program are more than pleased with your response to our contest game. And we're working very hard with the judges to see that everything goes well and as quickly as possible. And as we told you before, we're making certain that each entry gets an equal amount of attention and consideration. This, as you can well understand, takes a good deal of time. However, when it's all finished, you'll find it's been well worth waiting for. And your patience will be rewarded. What's more, at least 1,000 of you will be made very happy with the prizes that are all packed and waiting to be shipped. Just bear with us. Or as we say in radio, stand by. And in the meantime, please keep on listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet, opened a large wooden box which the express company had delivered to him, he was thunderstruck to find a tiny man inside of it. It was a midget, scarcely three feet tall, dressed in a bright green frock coat, striped trousers, and patent leather shoes. And as Jimmy gasped, unable to believe his eyes, the midget stood up in the box and spoke. Hello. Are you Jim Olsen? Why, why, yes, I am. Oh, oh thank Mercury, thank Mars, thank Venus, thank everybody. Well, you have no idea what a relief it is to find you. Still shocked and struggling to collect his wits, Jimmy helped the tiny man from the box as the little fellow introduced himself. I am Frederick McGrath. You must have heard of me. Well, uh, I don't remember. Oh, well, you must have. Before the war, I was a stellar attraction with the All England and British Commonwealth Circus. Uh, but you might call me Freddy if you like. Well, thanks, uh, Freddy. But what? Uh, how... Don't waste your breath on questions, old chap. I'm in frightful trouble. You're simply frightful. And you must help me. You simply must. Oh, heaven knows what will become of all of us. Frederick the Great, or as he prefers to be known, explained to Jimmy and to Clark Kent, who arrived just then, that he had been sent to Jimmy by the cub reporter's cousin and aunt, proprietors of a small traveling circus, who felt Jim could help him in a search for a man named Robert Archer. And he stressed the importance of his quest. You see, I simply must find Robert Archer before the first of February, Mr. Kent. The fate of the entire world depends on... Are you kidding? That's exactly what do you mean by that, Freddy. Well, I can't explain because... because I... Uh, I'm only telling you what my late master told me. The late Sir Hubert Clay, you know. Sir Hubert Clay? You mean the great mathematician and physicist who died about a year ago? Precisely. But he didn't uh, just die, Mr. Kent. He was murdered. Murdered? Yes, he was murdered by the boot. The boot? Who was that? Oh, he's a terrible man. A horrible man who's been chasing me all over the world. And now that he's killed my master, he wants to get the secret from me. You see? Secret? What secret? Well, I don't know. Or, or do I? Oh, now, look. I... But Robert Archer does, or he will when I give him my master's message. But I must find him before February 1st. If I don't, and my late master said this with his dying breath, if I don't find him before February 1st, something terrible will happen to the whole world. Just as Kent and Jimmy were wondering if the tiny man and his story was some sort of a practical joke, a news flash was brought to them that said that a man named Robert Archer, an associate professor in a small college and one-time assistant to the late Sir Hubert Clay, had disappeared the night before under mysterious circumstances. And now as the midget stands on Kent's desk and wrings his tiny hands in anguish, Kent snaps a quick order to Jimmy. Run down to the clipping morgue, Jim. Get me everything they have on Sir Hubert Clay right away. Okay, Mr. Kent. I'll bring clips up here. No, no, don't. Make notes down there on everything you think is important and bring it to me as fast as you can. Well, why can't I... Please do... do as I say, Jim. Hurry. Okay, but I don't... Go on, Jim. I... Hurry. I'm on my way. 
It gets rid of him. Can you understand how important it is for us to find Robert Archer? Can you? Well, I do now. Though I'll admit I didn't take your story too seriously before, but this newsflash makes me think differently. Now, you and I are going down to Parkersville, the town from which Robert Archer disappeared. Where is Parkersville? Oh, it's a few hundred miles west in the mountains, but we can get there in a few minutes, so... In a few minutes? How? Huh? Oh, uh, well... Look, Freddy, you said you trusted me. Oh, yes, indeed, I do. I do. All right, then, hop back into that box and don't ask any questions. Yes, no questions, Freddy. Oh, very well. Just as you say. But I'm terribly worried, Mr. Kent. Terribly worried. Well, relax. I'm going to put the cover back on your packing box, okay? Very well. Whatever you say. Oh, well. Oh. There. You all right in there? Oh, yes. Yes, quite. But I do let you tell me what you have in mind. Never mind that now. Just tell me, can you see me through those air holes in the side of the box? I, uh, no. No, they're on the side. And since I'm lying on my back, I can't turn enough to look through them. That's fine. Now, just be patient for a second. Ah, this is a job for Superman. Out of these clothes. <laughs> what? I mean, what? Huh? Who's that with you? With me? Yes, I just heard another voice, a deep voice. Oh, don't worry about that. Here we are. All set. Got ready now. Great Jupiter, what's happening? Up with this window. Now, up and away! Parkersville. I'll just set Freddy down and get back into Clark Kent's clothes quickly. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Yeah. Now, hat. Specs. Here we are. Oh, dear, Mr. Kent. Okay, Freddy, I'll open the box now and let you out. There you are. Oh, oh thank you, old man. Oh, jumping jelly beans. Where are we? Parkersville. Parkersville? How did we get here? Uh-uh-uh. Remember what you promised, Freddy? Well... No questions. Uh, oh, very well, old boy. But I never encountered anything like this in all my years with a circus. Well, maybe I'll tell you about it sometime. Right now, we want to see the local police. Come on. Now, if you just start from the beginning, Sheriff, and tell us all you know, we'll be very grateful. I won't take long to tell you all I know, Mr. Kent. Here it is. 5.15 yesterday afternoon, Archer left Parkersville College. He's a teacher there, you know. Yes, I know. He was going to his rooming house where a couple of students was waiting for him for some private tutoring. Yes? Go on. Well, sir, the rooming house ain't more than five minutes' walk from the college. But Mr. Archer never did show up there. You're sure of that? Positive. Oh, where did he go? Where could he go? You got me, little feller. Seems like Mr. Archer didn't go no place. He just, well, he just plumb disappeared. Vanished like a puff of smoke. Oh, great mercury. Amazed, Clark Kenton Frederick stare at the sheriff, scratches his head and looks bewildered. What can this mean? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the sheriff's office in the little college town of Parkersville, the sheriff has just told Clark Kent and the midget Frederick that Robert Archer, a man who holds the secret of a worldwide disaster scheduled for February 1st, had suddenly and mysteriously disappeared. After a moment of stunned silence, Kent exclaims, Now, look here, Sheriff. People don't just disappear like smoke, you know. There must be something... That's what I always said, too, Mr. Kent. But me and my deputy searched this town from one end to the other. We searched back in the hills, too. Well, we couldn't find hide in the hair, Mr. Archer. Great, right, Lucifer, this is terrible. This is awful. Wait, 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 Freddy, wait a minute. Tell me, Sheriff, did you question the students at the university and the townspeople? Yep. Seems as if nobody's seen him after he left the campus. Well, how about his family? Mr. Archer didn't have no family, leastwise none I can find out about. Huh? You see, he come here from England about six 
months ago alone. Oh, this is frightful. What do we do, Mr. Kent? Oh, I don't know, Freddy. Even I could just find that other fella. He might know something. What other fella? Well, Dr. Holcomb, president of the college, he told me some fella come to his office yesterday afternoon asking about Mr. Archer. Yesterday afternoon? Yep, a little while before Archer disappeared it was. You know what he wanted of Archer? Nope. But he wanted to know all about Archer, where he come from, what he did, everything. Let's see. Did he give Dr. Holcomb his name? Yeah. Smith, he said it was. Uh-oh. But there must be a couple of million Smiths in this country. Sure, at least. Uh, what did he look like? What did he look like? A uh, big man, foreign talking, Dr. Holcomb said. Tell me, was one of his legs shorter than the other? Did he walk with a heavy or something limp? Ah, uh, yes, but how oh, you... Right, Lucifer, that, that was the boot. Huh? Are you sure, Freddy? Oh, yes, yes, that man was the boot. The man who murdered my master who has been chasing me all over the world. He must have taken Robert Archer away. Now we'll, we'll never see him again. Oh, Mr. Kent, what will we do? What will we do? Wringing his tiny hands in anguish, Mitchell appeals to Clark Kent, who frowns worriedly. Unless Robert Archer is found before February 1st, said Frederick, late master Sir Hubert Clay, some dread disaster would strike the world. What is this disaster? What has happened to Robert Archer? Is he in the hands of the mysterious and evil man known only as the boot? And what will Superman do about it? Well, you'll learn what Superman does and about a stunning surprise he encounters tomorrow, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Don't fail to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 3 of Dead Man's Secret on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman!
Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, learns of a mysterious man known as the Boot, who casts his evil shadow across the path of Frederick, a tiny midget, who fearfully announces... Oh, Robert Archer's in the hands of the Boot, Mr. Kent. There's no doubt about it, no doubt at all. Now, wait, Freddy, maybe... Mr. Archer's the only man who can prevent a terrible disaster to the whole world. Well... But we'll never find him now. Oh, the Boot has it all is lost. I'll bet you've often heard people say it's an ill wind that blows no good. Well, that's pretty true, you know. Take, for instance, the cold weather and heavy snowfalls that have hit many parts of the country. For most adults, things like that mean many annoying inconveniences, such as transportation tie-ups, frozen water pipes, and, you know, lots of things like that. But for young folks, it means a lot of fun. Sleigh riding, ice skating, skiing, snow fights and such, which is as it should be. Yes, indeed. Go on and have fun. Lots of it. But while you're enjoying the winter sports, don't lose sight of the fact that accidents can happen while you're having fun, particularly if you're careless and don't take certain steps to prevent them. So just remember a few simple rules. Don't play on busy streets, because ice and snow make it difficult for cars to stop. Don't skate on unsupervised ice. Make sure the ice has been tested, and there is at least one grown-up present. Don't wander off in solitary heights. It's too easy to flounder and get lost in snowdrifts. Wear warm clothes and keep them dry. Wet shoes and damp clothes lead to serious colds. Above all, remember at all times to be careful. And now, the adventures of Superman. A three-foot midget who calls himself Frederick the Great, the smallest man in the world, has sought the aid of Clark Kent and cub reporter Jimmy Olsen in his search for a man named Robert Archer. And unless Archer is found before February 1st, the midget warned, a terrible catastrophe would strike the world. At first, Kent and Jimmy refused to take the tiny man's story seriously. But their attitude was changed by a teletyped news flash, which stated that a man named Robert Archer, a professor in a small college, had suddenly disappeared under mysterious circumstances. In his true identity of Superman, Kent streaked with Frederick to the little college town of Parkersville, where they learned that just before Robert Archer disappeared, a sinister man, whom Frederick identified as the boot, had been seen in the vicinity. Oh, I, I'm sure the boot has taken Mr. Archer away, and I will never find him. I will lost, Mr. Kent. The whole world is lost. Refusing to accept that, Kent, as Superman, searched the countryside and surrounding mountains, but failed to find Archer or the mysterious evil man known as the boot. Then, streaking back to Metropolis with Freddy, he secretly resumed his disguise of reporter Clark Kent. And we join him now in his office at the Daily Planet with Jimmy Olsen, where he is trying to quiet the little midget who stands on the desk in his green frock coat and striped trousers, wringing his tiny hands. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute Freddy. Now, wait, will you please calm down for one minute? There's some information I must have from you. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, what do you want to know, old chap? Anything, anything at all? Well, first, just who is this man you call the boot? Oh, he's a terrible man, a horrible man. There never was such a terrible man in all the world. You've already told us that. Yes, what I want to know is, who exactly is he, Freddy? Well, I, uh, I don't know exactly. What? Uh, that is, I, I've never heard him called anything but the boot. 
That's because he wears thick black boots and walks with a very heavy uh, sort of a thumping limp because of an old injury. And you said he speaks with a foreign accent, right? Oh, that's right, you mean. Do you know where he comes from? Uh, no, but it is rumored that he heads a band of international criminals, spies, and saboteurs, and murderers, and such heapers. I see. And uh, this man, the boot, killed your late master, Sir Hubert Clay. Oh, he did indeed, the thing. Because he wanted Sir Hubert's secret. For Pete's sake, what secret? Jim, I told you before, I don't know, but it, it, it was something wonderful, my master said. Something to do with, uh, uh, let me see, uh, uh, yes, yes, mathematics and, uh, and physics and, uh, yes, astronomy. Well, that's pretty uh, general. Was... Haven't you any idea what this, uh, well, at least what the purpose of this secret was, Freddy? Oh, yes, yes. I remember the day he told me. Oh? It was just a little over a year ago. Uh -huh. uh, my master had been away to the continent. And when he returned to our house in London, he was... Oh, he was very, very happy. His eyes were shining. I've done it. You've done what, sir? Accomplished what I set out to do for Joe. I told you I'd see to it there was never another war in time. Uh, why, yes, I've heard you say so. Well, I've done it. Since the people on this globe are too stupid to stop destroying themselves in hideous wars, I've arranged matters so they'll never dare consider going to war again. Oh, that sounds jolly good, sir. But just how do you propose to do that? Well, you'd need a great scientific knowledge to understand my discovery, Freddy. However, in a week or two, you'll see for yourself how it works. Then you'll know everyone will... All he told me, Mr. Kent. But Sir Hubert said you'd know more about this secret, that you'd see it in a week or two, Freddy. What about that? Oh, alas, that never came to pass. It didn't? Uh, no, Jim. You see, the next day, Sir Hubert and I embarked on a trip on the continent, because somehow he learned that the boot was after his secret. That, Sir Hubert said, never happened, because if the boot did get it, he could enslave the entire world overnight. Slave the entire world? Lizards. Was he serious? Oh, certainly was. Well, as we traveled, we became more and more nervous each day. We changed trains several times, but always, Sir Hubert said, he could feel the boot was following us. Lizards, quiet, what Jim. happened? Go on, Freddy. Well, sir, that night, the third night, I believe it was, Sir Hubert woke me up at midnight. We stole from the train and took refuge on a tiny mountain inn. And it was there that it happened again. I'd fallen asleep again. Come here. Oh, who is, sir? Who's the other? The boot. The boot. Oh, great Lucifer, where is he? Where? Outside. He and his men have this inn surrounded. Oh, great Jupiter, sir. What do we do? What can we do? Only one thing. Now listen carefully, Freddy. You're very small. So I'm going to put you into a suitcase. Where the boot and his men stop to come in. I'm going to throw the suitcase with you in it out into the snow. Then you can get away. Oh, but you, sir. What about you? Wait, Freddy. We just heard someone come into the inn. Oh, did you? They'll be up here in a moment. Uh -huh. Listen now. We'll find Robert Archer. Do you have that? Robert Archer. Former assistant of mine. Oh, yes. Robert Archer. But where I don't know where he is, but find him. When you do, say this to him. X is to Freddy, as Y is to Sally. Repeat it. Yes. Uh, X is to Freddy, as Y is to Sally. Right. And then say, the equation equals the first day of February. In the name of heaven, act quickly. Repeat that. Uh, the equation equals the first day of February. In the name of heaven, act quickly. Uh, I, I have to... Good, Freddy. Now, don't fail me. You must find Robert Archie before the first of February next. If you don't, a terrible disaster will strike the entire world. Oh, but what if... Boots coming, quiet. Into the suitcase with you, Freddy. Yes, yes. Hurry, old chap. And in the name of heaven, find Robert Archie. What a spot you were in, Freddy. Yes. Go on, what happened then? Oh, well, a moment later, the boot and his men broke into the room. Sir Hubert flung the suitcase with me inside, out in the snow. As I cut myself free, I heard my poor master cry out. At that moment, I almost died with grief. But I'd given him my word to carry out his mission. So I, uh, I ran away. 
And Sir Hubert? Later, I heard that my poor master had died protecting a secret. Oh, boy. You must have had quite a time of it since then. Oh, rather. But finally, I, I learned that Robert Archer was in the States, and I came here. And that's when you got a job in my aunt's service? Well, that's right, Jim. I heard the boots thumping walk during a performance one day, and I persuaded your aunt and cousin to pack me into that box. But it was all for nothing, because now the boot has Robert Archer, and we'll never see She Gee and it's only two weeks to February 1st. We are some. Oh, come now. Let's not give up so easily. To begin with, the boot may not have Archer at all. Oh, he has, he has. I just know he has. Well, he must have, Mr. Kent. Well, now... Well, you know, he was seen at the college yesterday, just before Archer disappeared. Yes, but Archer may have seen the boot first and decided to make himself scarce. He may be hiding out somewhere right now, safe and sound. Jump, jelly beans on the floor of that. Oh, gosh. Even if that is so, how can we find him? Well, the best stunt I can think of at the moment is to insert an ad in the personal column of the Daily Planet and of papers all over the country, addressed to Archer and asking him to contact me. I'll try to phrase the ads so he'll understand, and, well, if he is hiding out, I'm sure we'll hear from him. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Oh, I do hope so hard it works, but I'm afraid We'll that find out, Freddy, very soon. I'm going to arrange about the ads right now. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. It is early evening in Metropolis. Homeward-bound throngs are hurrying for buses, the elevated stations, and the subways. Only stopping long enough to snatch their big newspapers, shouting Through the hurrying crowds walks a tall, powerfully built man. A wide-crowned European-style hat is pulled low over his forehead. And the collar of his dark, heavy overcoat covers the lower part of his face as he strides along with a heavy, thumping limp. At a newsstand, he stops for a moment. Buys a copy of the Daily Planet. Then he limps on around the corner where the traffic is lighter. Leaning against the doorway, he opens the paper. A neon sign above his head advertising a brand of coffee gives him light as he leaps through the newspaper. Finally, on the inside of the last page, he stops. And his long, thick forefinger travels down a column of personal notices. Then suddenly, in mid-page, it halts. His lips move soundlessly as he reads the notice to Robert Archer that is signed by Clark Kent. For a brief moment, a ghost of a smile flickers across the man's long, shadowy face. A look of savage exultation lights up his deep-set eyes. Then, thrusting the paper into his overcoat pocket, the tall man limps away, moving much more rapidly now and with definite purpose. Was that the boot? The much-dreaded man whose name is enough to make strong men shudder. There's a thrill a minute in store for you in Monday's excitement-packed episode, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Don't fail to tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of Dead Man's Secret on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman would give much to know that a mysterious, powerfully built man who walks with a heavy limp in Metropolis, and is at this moment reading a personal notice in the Daily Planet, which was inserted by Superman himself. Archer, very important you contact me at once regarding Sir H.C. Clark Kent, Metropolis, Daily Planet. (laughs) At last, this is what I was waiting for. Now I've got him covered. Gang, try to picture, if you can, a steam engine with a red-hot fire burning under the boiler and a full head of steam driving the pistons at top speed. Well, if you can imagine that, you've got a rough but pretty fair idea of how things are going in the Superman contest offices. Sack after sack of mail is dumped, envelopes are slipped, letters are opened, and together with postcards are turned over to the judges who read and carefully weigh the merits of every entry. And as we told you before, it's a big job and a tough one. So it must take time, during which you must be patient. Of course, we would like to make the important announcement of winners right away. But we can't do that and give all entries an even break, too. So we chose to take the time in order to be fair to all. And we feel that that's what you want us to do. However, the way things are moving, it won't be too terribly long before the job's done. Meanwhile, we hope you continue to enjoy and listen to the exciting adventures of Superman, of which you are about to hear a very thrilling episode right now. So don't go away. And now, the adventures of Superman. A tiny man, scarcely three feet tall, who calls himself Frederick the Great, told Clark Kent and cub reporter Jimmy Olsen a strange story in which he said his late master, Sir Hubert Clay, a famous mathematician and physicist, had delegated him to find Robert Archer, the only man who could save the world from a terrible disaster scheduled to take place on February 1st. But then they learned that Archer, an associate professor in a small college, had disappeared the day before under mysterious circumstances. The midget was then certain Robert Archer had fallen into the hands of the boot, a mysterious and dangerous conspirator who had murdered the famous scientist and who had been pursuing Frederick all over the world. Kent, who unknown to all is Superman, suggested that Archer might be hiding from the boot. And he inserted a personal notice in the Daily Planet and in other newspapers throughout the country, appealing to Archer to contact him. Up to early evening, there had been no word from Archer. And now, in the planet office with Kent and Jimmy, the tiny Frederick, garbed in bright green frock coat and striped trousers, paces the top of Kent's desk as he groans. Oh, it's no use. No use at all. We'll never, never hear from Robert Archer. Well, be patient, Freddy. This uh, is the first day our personal notice asking him to contact me has appeared in the papers. I know. 
But nevertheless, I feel it's hopeless, Mr. Kent. Utterly hopeless. Well, that's no way to talk, Freddy. If Mr. Archer's hiding out someplace, he may not have seen the newspaper yet. But I don't believe he's hiding out, Jim. I'm certain the boot hasn't. And if that's so... Jumping jelly beans. Huh? What's the matter, Freddy? Uh, I just noticed your calendar, Mr. Kent. Whoa. It says today is January 19th. Hmm? Why? Well, that means there are only 12 days before January 1st. The day Sir Hubert said a, a terrible disaster would strike the world. You mean February 1st. Uh, we know that, Freddy, but... Robert Archer can prevent the disaster. He's the only one. But how can we find him? Oh, Please, dear, Freddy, dear, stop I... wailing and wringing your hands. That gets us no place. I know, I know, if but... If we're to help you find Archer, we've got to try and figure this thing out. That's right, Jim. Uh, very well. I'll do my best to remain calm. Good. Now, you mentioned an equation that Sir Hubert told you to give to Archer. Would you mind repeating it again? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, X to Freddy as Y is to Sadie. The equation equals the first day of February. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything to you, Mr. Kent? No, not a thing, Jim. Me either. Sounds like double talk to me. But I never was very good oh, at algebra. Well, it's not really algebra, Jim. It's just phrasing, sort of algebraic form. Uh, did Sir Hubert say Robert Archer would understand that equation, oh, Freddy? Yes, indeed. Yes. He, he said Mr. Archer would know what to do to, to prevent the catastrophe, or whatever it is. But, but now we'll never find them. And they're only the 12 days left. Oh, please don't keep saying that, Freddy. <laughs> well, it's the truth, Jim, isn't it? Well, maybe it is, but you don't have to keep repeating it, do you? You give me the jitters. Take it easy, Jim. Well, sorry, old boy, sorry, but I'm so frightfully worried. Somebody... <laughs> I see. What's that? It's just the clock in the insurance company tower. Oh, oh. Hey, it's seven o'clock. Time you two had your dinner and went undercover. Undercover? What do you mean, Mr. Kent? Well, for the time being, Jim, I want you and Freddy to stay at my apartment. It's your apartment? Uh-huh. Why? Well, Freddy was sent to you, and he says the boot has been trailing yes, him. all over the world. I even hear as heavy something walk in my dreams. Do you... Do you think the boot may have trailed Freddy here to me? Oh, I hope not. Dear me, I certainly do hope not. I'm not sure, but let's not take any chances. Freddy, hop back into that packing crate of yours, please. Uh, I don't want anyone to notice you leaving here. Uh, as you say, old man. I'll carry you down to a taxi and ride home with the two of you. Jim, tell Beanie to stick around until I get back, will you please? Just in case Archer should call or show up. And then you join us outside. Okay, Mr. Kent. Beanie Martin speaking. Is Mr. Clark Kent there, please? Mr. Kent, no, he ain't. I mean, isn't. Nobody's here now except me and the night telegrapher. Oh. Well, can you tell me where I might reach Mr. Kent? It's very important. Well, he's coming back. If you'll give me your number, I'll have him call you. Oh, no. No, I, I can't do that. Uh, when will he be back? Oh, let's see. He just called up from, from where he is and said he's coming right back. It'll take him about a half an hour. Hi, Beanie. Holy mackerel, here he is now. Put him on, will you, please? Yeah, I... Holy smokes, Mr. Kent, how'd you ever get here so fast? I flew, Beanie. Is the that what? call for... I say I made a good time. Is that call for me? Uh-huh. Here you are. Jeepers, I don't Quiet, see how... Quiet, please, Beanie. Hello, this is Clark Kent. Uh, this is Robert Archer. Robert Archer? Jeepers, yes, isn't right. that... Uh, one moment, please. Wait in my office for me, Beanie. Gee. Where are you, Mr. Archer? I'm in Metropolis. That's all I can tell you now. But look here, I... If this is not a trap, you'll understand why. Oh, oh, yes, I understand, but I assure you this is not a trap. I hope not. Now, I'm willing to meet you if... Good. How about coming right up to my office? Oh, no. No, I, I prefer a more public place where I know nothing can happen to me. Are you afraid I may be acting for the boot? I'm not taking any chances, Mr. Kent. Fair enough. How about meeting me at City Hall in the office of Perry White, the mayor of Metropolis? Well, uh, certainly the mayor's office should sound safe enough to you. Yes, I, I suppose it is. Then you'll meet me there? Yes. How soon? Uh, let's say within the hour. Fine, I'll be waiting for you with Mayor White. Very well, I'll be there. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ah, now we're getting someplace. <laughs> 
time is it now, Chief? Uh, 20 minutes after 9. Uh, uh, what time did Archer say he'd be here, Ken? I talked to him about 7.35, and he said he'd be here within the hour. Mm, he's 45 minutes late, then. Yeah. He's hoping nothing happened to him. Oh, don't get jittery. He may have been quite a distance from here when he called. But he said within the hour. Well, maybe he's been delayed by the traffic. I hope that's all it is, and not... Not what? Well, I told you the boot was on Archer's trail as well as Freddy's, you know. He was in Parkersville yesterday, just before Archer disappeared. But Archer got away from him, didn't he? Yes, apparently he did, but... And he was in Metropolis when he phoned you? That's what he said. But the boot may be in Metropolis, too. Well, relax. Nothing will happen to him here. No. Nonsense, I became mayor, Kent. Our streets are as safe as a, a church. What time is it now, Chief? Will you stop fretting? It's uh, 9.25. Well, he's almost 50 minutes late. I'm worried, Chief. I'm very worried. Rising to his feet, Clark Kent faces Perry White's office anxiously, concerned at Robert Archer's failure to keep his appointment. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. While Clark Kent and Perry White wait anxiously for Robert Archer at City Hall, Jimmy Olsen and the tiny Frederick are in Kent's apartment. You've had a pretty tough day, Freddy. Why don't you go to bed? Oh, I, I couldn't possibly sleep, Jim. I'm much too worried about Mr. Archer and, and the boot and the 1st of February, you know. Oh, look, Freddy, if you mention the 1st of February to me again, I... I well, I might forget you're little. Oh, I'm sorry, old chap. Really, are you? Okay. I guess I'm kind of jittery tonight. I know, old chap. And you're quite right. Talking about what might happen only supposed to make it worse. Uh, perhaps I will go to bed. Uh, where where do I turn in? Well, you take the bedroom. I'll sleep out here on the studio couch. What about Mr. Kent? Oh, that's right. I forgot he was coming back. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you'll help me remove a drawer from the dresser, I'll sleep in that. What? Sleep in a drawer? <laughs> I've done it often. I am quite small, you know. Oh, yeah, but... Well, if you're sure, you won't mind. No, not at all. Oh, come on, then. I'll take the drawer out for you. No, wait, Jim. What's the matter? Listen. Listen to what? What's the matter with you, Freddy? You're shaking like a leaf. Don't you hear him? What are you talking about? The boot. The boot? Yes. He's right outside in the corridor, coming to our door. Listen. Are, are you sure that's him? Oh, oh yes. I'd know his limp anywhere. Oh, oh jeeper. He's coming here, Jim. He's come here for me. <coughs> Frozen with fear, the little midget and Jimmy Olsen listen as the heavy, thumping steps of the man Freddy says is the dreaded boot approach their door. Is it the boot? And if so, what will happen now? While Superman in his guise of Clark Kent is at City Hall, waiting for Robert Archer, who still has failed to appear. There are thrills, chills, and high excitement in tomorrow's action-packed episode, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in same time, same station for Chapter 5 of Dead Man's Secret on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman is away while in the apartment he occupies as reporter Clark Kent, young Jimmy Olsen and Frederick the Tiny Midget, Hear a sound in the hall that makes their blood run cold. Listen, Jim. You hear that? Uh-huh. Sounds like somebody coming up the hall. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the boat. The boat? Are you sure? Oh, yes. I'd know his limping walk anywhere. He must be coming here for me. Oh, oh jeepers, Freddy. What, what do we do? Nothing, Jim. There's nothing we can do. This is the end for me. How you doing, gang? Having fun in the snow? Well, go to enjoy it while it lasts. It's healthful and it's good for you. Just remember one thing, though. Winter accidents can be very serious. So take precautions. Practice safety first. For instance, in going to and coming from school, be even more careful than usual at street crossings. Because, as you know, it isn't easy for cars and trucks to stop fast on ice and snow. Those of you who sleigh ride in cities, be sure to use streets from which traffic is barred. Post monitors at the bottom of a hill block to warn you when cars are coming. Be careful about ice skating, too. Very often, ice that looks safe isn't really. So go to skating rinks or ponds that have been tested and are supervised. Another thing to keep in mind is that it is easy to catch cold in this kind of weather, and colds can lead to more serious illnesses. So play safe. Try not to get overheated. Keep warm with the right kind of clothes. If your clothes or shoes get wet, change at once. Drink lots of milk and fruit juices. Get plenty of rest and sleep. In short, don't take unnecessary chances. Play safe. Be careful and stay healthy. The Adventures of Superman. A tiny midget named Freddy, former companion to the late Sir Hubert Clay, a famous mathematician and physicist, solicited the aid of Clark Kent, who is Superman, and cub reporter Jimmy Olsen in a strange cause. Freddy said that just before Sir Hubert died, he instructed his tiny companion to locate a man named Robert Archer and repeat a curious sentence to him. Archer would then be able to prevent a terrible disaster to the world which was scheduled to take place on February 1st. Following a newspaper appeal to the missing Archer, Kent received a phone call from him and arranged to meet him in Mayor Perry White's office. But while Kent waited at City Hall, Jimmy and Freddy, whom Kent had left in his apartment, heard heavy, thumping footsteps in the corridor outside the apartment, steps which Freddy identified as those of an international conspirator known as The Boot, the man who had murdered Sir Hubert Clay and had been pursuing Freddy all over the world. Frightened, Jimmy and the midget huddled silently in a corner of Kent's apartment. After a speechless moment, Jimmy found voice. I... 
I don't hear those steps anymore, Freddy. Do you? Uh, uh, no. I'm going to peek out into the hall. No, Jim, don't. He... Uh, the boot is out there. Now look, Freddy. Just because we heard the steps of a man who limps, it, it doesn't mean he was the boot. There are lots of... you there was the boot. I'd know his step anyway. Oh, you've got the jitters. It was probably somebody going to some other apartment. No, no. It was the boot. I know it. Then where is he? He wouldn't just stand outside the door. Jeepers. Tell me. There he is. Be quiet. Who... Who is it? Who's there? He, he won't answer. He won't identify himself. He wants us to open the door. And then... Then he'll... Shh. I... I think i better call it to Kent. Good idea, old chap. Hurry, hurry. M... E... One, six. Oh, I messed it up. Hurry, old chap. For heaven's sakes, hurry. What was that? I don't know. But never mind it. You go on. Call Mr. Kent. Yeah, okay. I, I will. M. E. One, six. Uh oh. What? What are you stopping for? I. I don't know. I, I feel kind of funny. Uh, yes. So, so why? Six. Oh, oh gosh, I, I already dialed that. I, I got... Oh. Jim. Jim, what? What? Oh. As Freddy starts toward Jimmy Olsen, who has collapsed, the tiny man staggers, reels, and then he, too, falls to the floor where he lies motionless. Meanwhile, unaware of what is taking place in his apartment, Clark Kent is in Mayor Perry White's office in City Hall, where he and White are waiting for the mysterious Robert Archer. What time is it now, Chief? Oh, you stop asking me that every half minute, Kent. Well, it's 9.30. Archer said he'd be here an hour ago. I think we'd better get in touch with Inspector Henderson. Henderson? Why? Well, because Archer may have run into that awful character, the boot. Oh, he got away from him in Parkersville, didn't he? Well, apparently. Well, but... if he could dodge him in a little town like that, he certainly wouldn't have any trouble in a big city like Metropolis. I'm not so sure. Besides, well, besides what? Well, it just occurred to me that this whole thing may be a trap set by the boot. To get me out of the way, I mean, while he takes... Uh, just a minute. Hey, come in. Yes? What is it, Connor? Mr. Mayor, there's a gentleman named Robert Archer here to see Mr. Kent. Oh, boy, at last. Hey, you see, Kent? Uh, show him in, Connor. Yes, sir. Uh, right in here, please. Thank you. Mr. Kent? Yes, I'm Kent. How do you do? This is Mayor White. Oh, how do you do? Glad to see you, Mr. Archer. And so am I. Kent was sure you'd been caught by that uh, boogeyman at the boot. Well, it's because <laughs> you're over an hour late, Mr. Archer. Yes, I know. I'm sorry, but there were two suspicious-looking men standing outside of my hotel. Oh, so... I see. Was one of them the boot? Oh, but I didn't like their looks, so I waited in the lobby for quite a while. When they didn't leave, I managed to get out through a service door in the basement. That delayed me. Of course, I understand. Well, why didn't you call the police? Because... Well, you see, I don't want to attract any more attention to myself than necessary. Now, Mr. Kent, you said in your personal notice in the papers that you had something important to tell me about Sir Hubert Clay. Is that so? Yes, but uh, before we go into that, I'd like to be sure you are Robert Archer. Oh, don't be silly, Kent. Oh, I'm sorry, Chief, but I must be sure. Oh, I understand. Here, I... I think this will convince you, Mr. Kent. Here's my passport. It has my photo on it. Uh-huh. This is my university identification. 
Driver's license. Oh, here's a photograph of me taken some years ago with the late Sir Hubert. I worked with him for some time. His assistant, you know. Yes, I know. Okay, I'm satisfied that you're Robert Archer. Now, now, let's get on to cases. Right. You see, Mr. Archer, the other day, a tiny man, a midget, came to see Jim Olson, a young reporter on our paper. He said his name was Frederick. Does that mean anything to you? Frederick? Mm-hmm. No, I... He used to be a circus performer. Later, he became the companion, and a sort of servant, I imagine, to the late Sir Hubert Clay. Oh, yes, I seem to recall hearing of that. It was a short time after I'd left Sir Hubert. Oh, come on, Kent, come on, get to the point. I am, Chief. Well, just before Sir Hubert was murdered by the boot, Mr. Archer... And the boot it... did do it, I thought so. Yes. Well, just before it happened, Sir Hubert told Freddy he must find you. Me? Yes, Sir Hubert said that only you could prevent some great disaster... A catastrophe that's scheduled to strike the entire world on February 1st. What's that? Seems surprised. Don't you know what Sir Hubert meant? Why, no, I don't. Uh, you see, Kent, I told you it was all a lot of balderdash. Sure it isn't, Chief. Maybe this will help, Mr. Archer. Sir Hubert gave Freddy a message for you. He did? Uh, did he tell you what it is? Yes, he did. X is to Freddy as Y is to Sari. Sari? The equation equals the first day of February. In the name of heaven, act quickly. Does that nonsensical double talk mean anything to you, Archer? I... Yes, it, it, it does, Mr. White. It does? Why, yes, but... Well, what does it mean? But I, I can't tell you until I've... Well, until I've spoken with this midget chap. Where is he? Well, right now, Freddy is at no, my... What do you need Freddy for? He told Kenton Jim Olson he doesn't know about this uh, this big secret. Oh, yes, he does. He must. Uh, take me to him quickly, please. You say Freddy does know the secret? Uh, yes, yes, but well, I... I don't get this at all. Uh, Freddy may not know that he knows, but he does know. I'm sure of that. Oh, now, look here, Mr. Archer. Please, gentlemen, voice. let's not waste precious time. If Sir Hubert said a great disaster will strike on February the 1st, it will. And with time so short... Oh, wait a minute. Uh, take so... me to this chap, Freddy, at once. Please, take me to him, and perhaps I can learn the secret in time to avert the catastrophe. Right. Come with me, Mr. Archer. Two chief. Followed by Perry White and the excited Robert Archer, Clark Kent hurries from City Hall en route to his apartment. What will he find there? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Accompanied by Mayor Perry White and Robert Archer, a thin, scholarly-looking man, Clark Kent has arrived at the door of his apartment. But as he fits the key into the lock, his X-ray vision probes through the door and he gasps. Great Scott! Uh, what's the matter, Kent? Wait just a minute, Chief. Now, look. Great Caesar, that... Well, that's Jim on the floor. Good heavens. Kent, is he... Is he... Oh, he's alive, all right, Chief. His heart action's okay. Oh, thank goodness. What happened? How did... Freddy! Freddy is gone! Gone? Freddy? You mean the midget? Yes, Mr. Roger. He's gone. Disappeared. Well... There goes the key to Sir Hubert's secret. Dismayed, Clark, Perry White, and Robert Archer stare at each other. What has happened to the tiny man who, according to Archer, is the key to the mystery? Superman has found Robert Archer only to lose Freddy. What will happen now as the 1st of February looms closer, only a few days away? We'll know more soon, so don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 6 of Dead Man's Secret on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyright feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time.
Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>